listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Well, are you glad to be here today? Yeah? I am too. I'm glad you're here. And if you're visiting with us, first time here, first time in a while, then I want to just let you know we're doing a study in the book of Daniel. And we've already gone through a couple of chapters. And today, if you've been around church at all, you're probably going to say, hey, this story seems familiar to me. In fact, it's familiar to me in a much different way. See, we raised our kids in the VeggieTales era. Anybody else raise your kids in the Now, I'm not talking about the VeggieTales that you can get on Netflix. I'm talking about OG VeggieTales, okay? And one of the ones that we had in our home that was consistently, because you know that's what happens, right? They consistently play over and over and over again. But the one that consistent, one of the ones that consistently played in our home was one about a, uh, a, a, a tomato and a cucumber and a, a, a small asparagus. And their names were Rack, Shack, and Benny. Rack, Shack, and Benny were employees, apparently, uh, out of their will. They didn't want to be there, but they were employees of a chocolate factory that made chocolate bunnies. And somehow, Phil Vischer and his VeggieTale crew was able to tell not only the story of Daniel uh, resolving in himself that he would not sin, but also how that God delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in that particular story, there were flying automobiles and, uh, and, 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 If you can get beyond that, and chances are great, you've already heard out of Daniel chapter 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Of course, we know them through our study as, as the three friends that were taken with Daniel, and, and their Hebrew names are different than the ones we most notably know them by. Their Hebrew names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But once they reached Babylon, Babylon did their best to re-educate them and to cause them to see through the lens of the Babylonian worldview, which we are excited to say that Daniel and his three friends all chose not to do and rather to follow the Lord their God. And so today we're going to see another instance of God moving on behalf of those who put their trust in Him. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what is going on around them, what they can and cannot change, we'll see how God moves in a very powerful way. Because God's people need to be reminded that He is the one who is all-powerful and able to deliver. Daniel chapter number 3. We're going to see in this chapter a prideful king and his unacceptable demand. Then we're going to see the steadfast obedience of God's three faithful servants. And then finally, we're going to see the faithful presence and deliverance of the God that they serve and the one in whom we know, if you know him today. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made 
an image of gold. Now let your mind back up just one chapter. One chapter ago, King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and that dream troubled him. It troubled him so much that he could not sleep after having that dream, and so he called in all of the magicians and the sorcerers and the enchanters and all those folks that were his wise counsel, and he says, I need you to tell me what this dream means, and to begin with, you've got to tell me what the dream is. Well, we'll remember that none of them, in fact, no one could tell the king his dream because the locked in his brain, which we could not enter. No one in humanity could tell the king his dream. But he wanted to make sure that the interpretation was true, so he required that the dream first be told. And since no one was able to do that, the king was going to put them to death. And then they found one in the kingdom who thought he could interpret the dream because he followed a God who does know all things. And so Daniel went before the king and said, King, if it so please you, give me a little bit of time and I'll go and, and, and I'll pray and, and I'll see if God will give me your dream and the interpretation, which he did. And you'll remember the dream was of a large image that was made of different metals and other materials, a, a head of gold, a, a shoulders and arms of silver, an abdomen of bronze, legs of iron, and feet mixed with iron and clay. And Daniel said... King Nebuchadnezzar, this is a message from the Lord, not only to you, but to every other earthly Gentile kingdom that will come. And the message is this, you're going to be followed by another kingdom, and they're going to be followed by another kingdom, and they're going to be followed by another kingdom, and they're going to get more hardened and more brutal each and every time. And then ultimately, the stone that you saw chiseled out of the mountain is going to crush all the earthly kingdoms. And then from that stone is going to arise a mountain that is going to fill the earth. Here's the interpretation, O king. God is letting you reign at this time. God is going to raise up and tear down other kings to rule at this time. And when the time of the Gentiles is up, then the Son of Man, the stone that's chiseled out, is going to come and crush, and He's going to establish God's kingdom that's not going to have anyone ever overthrow them, and it will remain forever. And the king was blown away. But it seems like that image in his mind... And that reality that he represented one of those peaches, pieces, which interestingly enough was the head of gold. We find it interesting that not too long after this dream of God is in control and God is sovereign and God is superior and God is the determiner of human history. Not your choices, but God is the determiner of how things are going to work out according to his will. And yet at the very self-same time, he allows you the freedom to respond or not. King Nebuchadnezzar, your time is limited and your work is going to be overshadowed by one more sovereign than you. And out of all that, it seems like the King Nebuchadnezzar decided that he should make an image. Rather than setting up the worship of this God that had revealed the dream to him, rather than recognizing or continuing to recognize that there were no other gods other than Daniel's God that he served, the king got distracted and decided 
to make an image. It says its height was 60 cubits and its breadth was six cubits. A, a cubit of, of, of 60, 60 cubits would roughly translate into about 99 feet high. You say, well, how high is that? It's the height of a 10-story building. That'll give you an idea of how tall this image was. Well, how wide is this 10-story building? Well, six cubits, roughly nine feet tall. So it was a very high, very slender image. You say, well, what was this image? Well, we don't know. We don't know if it was an image of King Nebuchadnezzar himself. We don't know if it was a, a, an image of a particular god that they worshipped, because they had many that they worshipped. They worshipped a pantheon of gods, of the moon, of the sun, of the harvest. And we don't know. Maybe it was one of his favorites. Maybe it was a combination of King Nebuchadnezzar and one of the gods he worshipped. Or it could have been something completely new. Bottom line is, he made the image... And he set it up in the plain of Dura where everyone could see. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather, verse number 2, the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, and the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So basically, King Nebuchadnezzar set up the image and then invited all of the different divisions of officials that worked in the kingdom, those hierarchy of advisors and rulers and, 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 and magistrates, those that kept the law, enforced the law, those that knew the law. He brought them all together in order to see this image. Verse number four. And the herald proclaimed aloud. Someone came out in front, had the edict in their hand, and, and basically said, hear ye, hear ye, That's, or something like that. Okay, so he's going to make the edict. He's going to cry out the decree. And he says, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. Now, why would he say it like that? Well, simple. Babylon was the king of the mountain at this time as far as human authorities were concerned. If any peoples had been taken captive, Babylon had defeated the peoples that had kept them captive. So now Babylon was in charge of anybody they wanted to control from many different nations and many different languages. And probably, much like they had brought the Jewish, exile, Jewish captives with them, they had brought others from other lands. What is Nebuchadnezzar doing? Nebuchadnezzar is gathering everybody who is Babylonian and everybody who is newly owned by Babylon. And he's saying to them, verse number 5, When you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Now, certainly he was expecting them to worship this image as a representation of the gods of Babylon. But he was also demanding in this creed, this bowing down was a surrendering pledge of allegiance. Not only to the gods of Babylon, but to the state of Babylon and its sovereign. 
So this was a total catch-all. When you hear this song played by these instruments, you are to stop what you're doing, find where the image is. You'll be able to see it from anywhere in the surrounding area. You are to stop and you are to bow down and pledge allegiance to our gods, our nation, and our king. Whosoever does not fall down and worship, there's consequences. They shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Now, what is this furnace? Well, a lot of Bible scholars think that what's happening here in Babylon is that this is a device used to, to harden bricks that were being formed in order to, 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 to use to build the things that King Nebuchadnezzar was building, this mighty uh, city, fortress. And, and, and they would be shaped kind of like a, a milk bottle, if you will, long and, and fat at the bottom and then with a, a slender top as a chimney. And they would, they would put the wood or the coal or whatever they were burning, and then up above it they would be able to put whatever thing they were looking to heat. So the message has been delivered. The edict has been decreed. The consequences have been promised. When you hear the music, you will bow down. And if you don't bow down, you will be thrown into the furnace. Obviously, a death sentence. Verse number eight. Therefore, at that time, Certain Chaldeans, certain of the wise men, certain of the class of the king's uh, advisors, came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. These guys had an agenda in mind. Very likely they were jealous of these Four, because it seems as though Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah had been, in chapter number one, promoted to an elevated status because of their faithfulness to God in keeping from the, uh, from the things of Babylon, the food, and, 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 and remembering to worship the Lord their God. So they were in a place of, uh, uh, of, of elevation. And then when Daniel deter, uh, interpreted the dream for the king, the king was elated and started honoring Daniel and raising him up even higher, Daniel says, hey, I'd like for you to bring my three friends along with me because they were a part of the prayer and the coming before the Lord. So not only have they been elevated, they've been super raised. It's kind of like when somebody goes to American Idol and they go through the show and they sing and then they get a record deal and all them folks have been in Nashville all their lives are going, how'd you get up there so fast? Well, they went through the fast track. That's how the Jews went through. But the thing about it is they weren't on a singing show. God was just simply fueling their faith. And so he had been raised. So it's very likely that this, these Chaldeans were seeing this as an opportunity to bring the Jewish elevates a little lower. Maybe even take their role because they knew good and well they weren't going to bow down and worship this image. They maliciously accused the Jews. Here's what they said, verse number 12. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of Babylon, over the provinces of Babylon. Their names... Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, or Rack, Shack, and Benny, if you're still on the VeggieTales uh, uh, illustration. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. 
They don't serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Apparently the music played. Everybody looked around. It was time to bow. And everybody bowed because that's what you do when the king declares a, an edict, a proclamation. But these Chaldeans saw, yep, just like we thought. Those three are not bowing down. Now, you may be asking the same question that I'm asking. And that is, where's Daniel? Well, where's Daniel at? Why is it just the three of them? And here's the answer. And I know you, you've, you've been waiting on this answer for years, and I'm excited to tell you. We don't know. We have no idea where he was at, and it doesn't matter, okay? So, these are the three that were there. These are the three that were commanded to worship. And these were the three that said, no, not going to do it. And they said, they've not worshipped the idol that you have set up. Well, verse number 13. And Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, boy, he's mad. He's upset. Commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought so that uh, these uh, be, be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden images that I've set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, uh, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, well, you can fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. Maybe you just misunderstood. Maybe you weren't paying attention. Maybe you heard the music and forgot the song. I'm going to give you another chance. And if you'll bow down, I'll get them ready. Warm up, boys. We're about to play it again. If these fellas will bow down, everything's good. But if you don't, if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning fire of furnace. And listen to this. Listen to what he says. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? All right, here's what the king's saying. I know your God reveals mysteries, but I bet he ain't fireproof. Who's going to deliver you from the furnace? Oh, sure. You got a God that can do some things that our gods can't, but I'm willing to bet your God can't deliver you from my hands hands. The king was not expecting, I bet, that these three, along with most of the Hebrews that had grown up in the, in the land of promise, had grown up remembering and reciting from memory year after year the words of Deuteronomy 6 uh, verse number 4 and 5, that, that passage of Scripture called the Shema, where God says, remember this, my people, the Lord your God is one. There is one God, and I'm He. And you shall, say it with me, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. So he wasn't counting on the fact that they had already likely years ago determined there's one God that we're going to serve. One and only one. And His name is Yahweh. And not only that, we remember when the law was given to Moses, 
The first ten, the big ten, if you will. The first one out of the chute was, you shall have no other gods before me. And the second one came right around the corner and says, and you shall not create a graven image and bow down and worship it. The top two commands and the thing we quote every day reminds us there is one God and Him only will we serve. The king says, boys, make your choice. Worship the image or die. The steadfast obedience of God's three faithful servants. Listen to what they had to say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. King, we don't need a second chance. We don't need you to give us time. We don't need you to give us a moment to gather our thoughts. We don't need to give you another answer. Here is our answer. Number one, if this be so, what you say, that you will throw us into that furnace, if that is true, number one, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. We have no doubt, O king, that our God can deliver us out of your hands. How would they know that? Well, Again, back in, in, in Saturday school at the synagogue, they were learning all of the Old Testament. And I know they remembered in Isaiah chapter number 43, where it says in verse number 2 and 3, God make this declaration to His people, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And listen to this. When you walk through fire... You shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Why? Because of anything in me? Because of any power that I have? No. Verse 3. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. When you find yourselves in circumstances that are completely out of your control, I am able to cause those harmful things to have zero effect on you. These three faithful servants of the Lord said, King, we know the furnace is hot. We know that it is deadly. We know that we have no ability in ourselves to do anything against the fire, but we are confident in our God who can deliver us. Point number one. But we want to make another point. If we could. And, and I actually love point number two a little bit more than point number one. Yes, we celebrate and, and are excited about God's ability. Can God deliver us from any and every harm and circumstance? Amen? Yes. Look what they said. Verse number 18. But if not... Listen to those three words and just let them hang there. But if not, we know He can. But if He chooses not to. How many times have we been in a circumstance that we've leaned more heavily on the fact that God can do for me whatever He wants and certainly what I want? 
we've leaned more heavily into what God can do than we lean into what God will do. Because what God will do is always more for the glory of Himself. Oh sure, He can do anything we want Him to do. He can do anything He wants to do. But sometimes He doesn't do because that's ultimately going to bring Him more glory. And so one of them, I don't know which one was the the spokesperson, but one of them said, we know God can deliver us, but if He chooses not to, if not, be it known to you, O King, and listen, Here's what they say. We will not. We will not. We will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I don't think these fellas said this in pride and that there was a mic drop after that or that they were chest bumping after and high-fiving. They weren't arrogant about this. That's, unfortunately, that's where we get sometime, right? We think sometime that we're speaking with the voice of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as we're getting on social media and popping off with something. We're commenting on something. We're going to comment with some kind of truth. We put that exclamation part, and we back up and we go, yeah, that's right, I said that. Great. You can type. You, you can press enter. Good for you. These guys were looking and likely feeling the heat off the furnace. And they didn't arrogantly say it, but they made the point very clear. If God chooses not to deliver us, we're never going to worship your gods. We're never going to bow down to the image. We just simply cannot do that. And so therefore, we will not. These three faithful servants... Well, Nebuchadnezzar, verse 19, was filled with fury. And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can't you see it? Can't you see the redness in his face? I mean, his blood pressure is probably ticking stroke level right now, especially what all they eat and the king did what he wanted them. He's, he's probably right there on the edge of just keeling over with a heart attack. He's so mad about their defiance. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than was usually heated. Now, I always grew when, when I was these guys' age and I was growing up, I was thinking, how did he know it was seven times? Like, how did he know? It? It's a proverbial statement, okay? It's, it's a, a, you know, a, a hyperbole type thing. It's, it's like as much as you can heat it, as hot as you can get it without tearing it up. Let's heat that thing up as much as possible. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. These men were bound, these three, were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments. This is important. They were wearing the clothes, hats, shirts, jackets, whatever they were wearing. And they were tied up with ropes. And they were led that way because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men that took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look, the fire got so hot that when they opened the door to throw them in, it instantly incinerated those that were taking them to put them in the fire. 
And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. Their crime? Nonconformity. Their consequence? Persecution. Death was their consequence. They were tossed in. This is a done deal. They were faithful to them. You can almost hear the hum of the song in the background. I have decided to follow Jesus. Now, they didn't know who Jesus was at that time. But can't you just hear it as the folks are humming? No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. The cross before me. Sorry, fellas, you don't know about that. But we do. No turning back. Off in the fire they went. But we have a faithful God who is present and who can deliver. Verse number 24, when King Nebuchadnezzar then was astonished. He saw all of this unfold. He saw the boys fall in. He saw the attendants get incinerated. And then somehow he can see into this. And I don't know how that's possible. Maybe he was up higher than the rest of it. Maybe they left the doors open. I, I don't know how it was, but, but he was astonished because he could see into the fire. And he arose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, hey, 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 hey. Didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. That's right, three men. And he answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking around in the midst of the fire. They're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth one is... It's like what I would imagine the son of one of the gods would look like. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, governors, kings, counselors gathered together and they all saw... The three that went in are now the three that are walking out. And they all witnessed with their own two eyes that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of fire had come upon them. What did burn off though? The ropes. Everything that the king put in the fire burned up. Every authority that the king had on them was incinerated. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent his angel, which could be, could be, that it's an an angel to protect it. But you know, from time to time, there were encounters in the Old Testament of one called the angel of the Lord. 
At one point, the angel of the Lord showed up and Abraham recognized him so much that he bowed down to worship. And then another time he showed up and Joshua recognized him and he bowed down and worshiped. So I don't know who this person was, but I know who he could have been. I think it could have been the angel of the Lord. I personally think it very well could have been the Old Testament recognition, incarnation of God the Son, Jesus Himself. Because we see Him shining and glistening, and I just kind of feel like that's the exact same thing that on a mount called Transfiguration, when a few of Jesus' disciples were with Him, and He pulled back the vest a little bit, and then they couldn't stand to, to look at Him in all His glory. I just like to believe that that's exactly who was in the fire with them. Do I know that for a fact? No, but I know he's, uh, I know he's active, and I know he's eternal, and I know it was his will, so I just like to think it was him. But if not, the same God is the one who delivered them, and he delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command, these that yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. I know that you serve the highest God. That's been proven to me. I've known that He was one who reveals mysteries. Now I know He's one who can deliver through the fire. Therefore, I make this decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. He likes to tear people limb from limb. He was trying to do that last week. And their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. What do we see? We see the three did not perish, nor were they hurt. They're walking around in the fire. The fourth person looked like a son of the gods who was with them. And fulfilled what Isaiah said. You'll walk in the fire and not be burned. He also said that you'll walk in the waters and they'll have no effect. You, you remember about a time in, in just several, several, several decades later when somebody was walking on the water and then got to walk out to him. You remember who that was? Okay, so I thought you might remember that. Only the bonds were burned. The fire had no effect on them. The king and all his officials were witnessed to God's supreme and sovereign power to deliver. And Judaism was declared to be an acceptable religion authorized by the state. God did a whole lot for his glory in Daniel chapter 3. And everything that we see in Daniel chapter 3 should remind us of the one who is powerful. And able to deliver us as well. Now here's where some will proclaim that if you go through a trial and your faith is strong enough, then God will bring you through that and not harm you. See, I'd like to take argument with that theology. Because I find in the Scripture far more suffered to the conclusion of their own lives, then we're delivered. You see what I think is happening here primarily? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego represent for all the people of Israel what God will do not only for those three, 
but for His people, Israel, when the time comes for them to be delivered as a nation. When this time of the Gentiles is completed, and we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks, but I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were a reminder to the people of God, the people of Israel specifically, that when it comes time for them to pass through the fire and for Him to deliver them and bring them to safety, He can and will do that. But I also think that story is there for all of God's people. To see His presence, to recognize His power, but most of all to hear the words, but if not. You see, Psalms chapter number 46, verse number 1. It's a familiar verse that says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 118.6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? It's to remind us of God's very present help. God is with us. We can't escape Him. We climb to the highest mountain. He's there. We, we dig ourselves to the lowest part of the earth. He's there. We go as far east as we can. He's there. We go as far west as we can. We can't escape Him. And thank goodness we can't. Because He is always present with us regardless of what we are experiencing. In fact, John chapter 1 verse number 14 says that not only is God present in the heavens with us, we remember that in John 1.14 it says, And the Word, the Christ, our Lord, became flesh and dwelt right here with us. He came to where we are and He actually dwelt with us. You say, Pastor Kevin, I was not there. I know. That's what makes it so awesome that after Jesus gave Himself to suffering... God, I would, I would ask that this cup would pass from me if that could be your will. But if not, your will be done. Gave his life in your place and mine. Suffered in your place and mine. For our guilt, none of his own. But, but what did God do through him? He delivered him not from death, he delivered him out of death. He went to the cross where he suffered and died. And then God raised him and said, I can deliver even when everybody else is burying with no hope. And out he came, our promised Savior and King. With the good news that follow me and this can be real for you. He came to be present with us. He suffered for us. He was delivered out of death. And then ultimately in John 14, 16, and 17, he says, I'm going away, but don't let that bother you because I'm going to call and ask that God send another comforter. There's another part of us, not just the Father, not just the Son, but the Holy Spirit who's going to come and He's going to be able to dwell with and in all of us. That's why I personally don't like us to use language of, God, we invite you into this place. You know why? 
Because if you know him as Savior and I know him as Savior, we done brought him in here two times. And if we're all following him as Savior, we got a, we got a lot of the Holy Spirit present with us and we can't escape God. He's here. We can just respond obediently. Amen? I'm saying that's bad language. I just like the idea of he's already here. Let's just get on board with what he's doing. Jesus came and then he promised his presence every one of us that know Christ. So we will never go through anything without the presence of God. Jesus said, John, uh, John 16, I said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you're going to have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. At that time, he had not been raised, and the world was going to do a lot more to him, but in just a few hours, they were going to be broken to the core because he must have missed it. And then a couple of days after that, they were going to recognize, oh, wait a minute, even what they do to me physically can't stop what he's doing. He just raised me up when it's time. That's our hope That's the promise of salvation, resurrection that can be lived in today. Hebrews 11 tells us that some who named the name of Christ were tortured, mocked, flogged, imprisoned. Some of them were were stoned. Some of them were sawn in two. Some of them were killed with with a sword. Some were made to walk about in skins of sheep and goats. They were made destitute. They were afflicted. They were mistreated. They were caused to wander about in the deserts and the mountains simply for following after the one we call Savior. You see, suffering is our lot. Suffering is what we can expect Suffering is the thing we need to be prepared to do. Those three boys were prepared. They had made their decision before the suffering, and they were able to say, He can, but if He don't, we're not. And that's the attitude we must have as followers of Jesus. Why? Well, because nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, Romans 8. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. No. None of those things. Verse number 38. I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. When you face it, He is with you. He has suffered and been delivered. And His love will fuel you into whatever He leads you into. Pastor Kevin, what if that kills me? That don't matter because he's going to raise you. Amen? I don't want to die. I don't either. But that's the attitude that followers of Jesus must embrace. Not being conformed to the world, Romans 12, but being transformed. There's a lot of things in this world that are trying to conform us right now. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about anything that is contrary to the Word of God. And and there's a movement that's a, a, a cancel culture idea 
that says we've raised this image in our culture. You can either bow down to it or feel the fire. And just like these three, we we, got to decide in 2023 whether or not we're going to follow God's Word or if we're going to cower to the declarations of the world. There's a whole lot of declarations of the world. Too many to mention, but, but I'm not ashamed to mention them. Don't, don't get me wrong there. Anything that is contrary to God's Word, no matter how right the world may say it is, no matter how loving the world may say you're not, you can either follow God or you can walk contrary to Him. And when we bow down to the images that are set up for us, it's just like all of the other captives in Babylon that said, what choice do I have? I'm going to bow down. But these three said, nope, nope, not going to bow down to that. Not going to cower, and I'm going to face the consequences. Church, we about to be prepared to face some consequences. And we're not going to be ugly And we're not going to chest bump. We're not going to high five. And by goodness, let's don't make this happen at the keyboard. But let's know God through His Word. Let's pledge our allegiance to Him. And let's have confidence that He's with us. His love will guide us. And His presence will deliver us either from it or out of it. Regardless... We are His witnesses, left to proclaim the truth, come what may, but if not. So church, I want to encourage you today. Know that these examples serve to declare God's power and to remind us of His presence. When we publicly conform or commit to the world's demands, even when inside we disagree, it's the same thing as bowing. Know this. Fear is the most common sin that we must consistently confess and lay aside. And we must daily decide to follow Jesus by faith. Into conflict, into suffering as His faithful witnesses. You want to follow Him that far? That's our call. That's His command. By faith. Let's do that together. Or, if no one else shall follow, then I'm going to follow him. With heads bowed and eyes closed, where are you at today, church? You walk in with one foot in the world and one foot in the way of Christ? Confess that as sin. It, you know, it's, it's not really hard to discover that. You know it. You know it. You sense it. You know it right now. I'm trying to, I'm trying to live with one foot Conform to the world and one foot trusting Jesus to save me. That, that's not how it works. He's called you to follow Him. He's called us to conform ourselves to Him. Or be conformed. How? As He renews our mind. How? Through His Word. Confess it. Say no. Take your stand. Come what may. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior today, 
Well, I want to invite you to trust him by faith. He loves you. He died for you. He rose from the dead. God proving through that that his sacrifice was sufficient enough for you and me and everyone else. But he's not going to drag you into the family. He'll invite you. He'll let you respond. If you'll confess your need and your allegiance to Jesus, then he'll bring you in by his grace and through faith. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the, for the words that, uh, that are there in, in Daniel 3 for our encouragement and our instruction. Prepare us, Lord, for, for persecution and opposition to come. Help us to recognize that, that Jesus said it was coming. And if we follow him faithfully, we will suffer persecution. It's, it's got to happen. So I pray that you'll help us to be resolved to follow him no matter what. Knowing that you're with us. Knowing that your love is for us and fueling us. And knowing that uh, no matter the pain, it's worth it. Because you are worth it. So God, may we be strong in our faith. Strong in our stance and our commitment to you. The building of your kingdom. For your glory in our life. We love you. We thank you. First in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Y'all stand with it with me if you will. I got a couple things I want to do.